you're so, you're so disgraceful. It's so disgraceful the way you say that. Let, let me just, listen, I just went over it. I just went over it. Nobody thought we should do it. And when I did it. But what did you do with the time that you bought? You know the we month did? of February. That, you that know we did? What do you do? What do you do when you have no case in the whole United States? You had cases when in you, February. you excuse me. You reported it. Zero cases, zero deaths on January 17th. January. February. The entire January. I said in January. The video has a complete gap. On month January 30th. What did your administration do in February with the time that your travel ban bought A lot. What? A lot. And in fact, we'll give you a list. What we did, in fact, part of it was up there. It we did a lot. Look, look. You know you're a fake. You know that <laughs> your whole network, the way you cover it, is fake. And most of you, and not all of you, but the people are wise to you. That's why you have a lower, a lower approval rating than you've ever had before, times probably three. I think that last comment left a mark, by the way. The uh, you, low, you know you've got a lower approval rating by like three times than you've ever had. That right. is absolutely true. Yeah, if what is it? Seventeen percent for the media these days. You, you gotta you gotta admit, don't you? Even Trump haters, if the media was doing such a good job of holding his feet to the fire and only only outing him for his flaws, they wouldn't have an approval rating in the teens. Right. Right. Well, the part that really, really bothered me is that, and and listen, I will admit the campaign-style video that he played was pretty unconventional in the White House briefing room, but when you have the alleged, you know, honorable journalists of America in a, in a herd of a single ideology spinning a certain narrative, I don't think it's improper for the White House to counter that narrative. For instance, pointing out that all y'all in the media... We're calling every one of the early steps this mouthy babe are yelling about that racist and xenophobic and overreach and the rest of it practically uniformly. And now she's howling that not enough was done in February. You know, it could be that not enough was done in February, but we don't want to hear it from the 17% approval rating scum of the media. Could you? And it pains me to say that. Sean, would you look up the dictionary definition of propaganda? Because among the many headlines they had on cnn well, what do you call that where they've got the breaking news the and chiron the the, the the thing underneath whatever the story is during yeah. during trump's press conference they had a number of them that were quite amazing but this one said breaking news and this is while the president of the united states is talking breaking news angry trump turns briefing into propaganda session what is the definition of pro- propaganda uh information especially of a biased or misleading nature used to promote or publicize a part particular political cause or point of view propaganda okay Okay. that never happens when politicians are standing up at a podium (laughs) i was gonna say yeah that's the definition of political speech isn't it that is Uh, that is completely unique that president trump did that how about uh, you judge whether it's propaganda or not by whether the leader is willing to stand there and be peppered with questions from the free press for the next two hours i'd say that weakens the argument that he's you know attempting to indoctrinate us all that's unbelievable. Uh, also, that, 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 yesterday was an ugly, ugly day in the history of the media. It was rough. If 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 I'm an anti-Trump lefty, I want the media to be better. If if I truly believe he's so out there and so egregious, just call the balls and strikes, and you'll win. Right. Right. Exactly. It, it, it's like you go into court. It, it, tough thing. Maybe it's a divorce. Whatever. It's it's touch and go. And and your attorney is just like spitting at the jury. 
and calls the judge an F-ball or whatever. I mean, that's not an good. You'd, why are you doing that? You know, he's snorting coke there at the table. Just be good at your job, and you will win the day if you are right. But no, they've got to engage in this crap. A fun ball? Exactly, a fun ball. <laughs> um, another headline under the president while he's speaking yesterday. Trump uses task force briefing to try and rewrite history. <laughs> because wow. politicians never do that. They never have their own spin on the story. Right. Come on now. Let's not act like that's just completely out of bounds. Well, they're they're just completely partisan now. They what? are openly advocating one point of view. When how about when various Obama officials were standing in front of cameras, probably on CNN, probably with the same backdrop, saying the the, the website for gov.com is working great and people are getting in and really enjoying it. Obama cabinet attempts to rewrite history. Right, exactly. Yeah, I know. It's just full of, You know, the only I'm I've come to terms with it that the New York Times, for instance, the story that uh, the the Donald was so whipped up about, uh, the that Fauci was telling him that, uh, that uh, an earlier uh, clampdown would have saved lives, and they're disagreeing and they hate each other, blah blah. It was completely woven from whole cloth. It was fiction. Uh, I've come to terms with that. I've I've accepted it. But what really bothers me is that there are a lot of Americans who are trying their be- who are trying their best to be informed, who only get the completely wildly biased point of view of the vast majority of the media, and and you can't fault them for having a crazy view of what's happening. I mean, they seek out the information. They're they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're just being misled on an hour-by-hour basis. Oh, boy. Uh, More people are texting that got the uh, checks have shown up on their bank account. Cool. Um, do Do you think people have an obligation to do anything specific with the money? No, no. I said I wasn't going to criticize anybody, whatever they did with it. You save it, you spend it foolishly, whatever you do. And, you know, everybody's got their own situation. Well, right, exactly. And, and this is <laughs> this is uh, kind of at the root of my beliefs. You are the best person to decide what to do with your resources, how to invest them or spend them or save them, what have you. You figure it out. I'm buying stock in Sears. There you go. Michael, never say die, brother. Keep them alive. Hey, if they survive this, they can survive anything. A lot of room to grow on that one. Well, if they survive this, yes, as Sean indicates, you'll be very wealthy. Because <laughs> <laughs> you the only one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do we have any more uh, clips of, of the angry, angry exchanges? We did get to this text. The reporter sounds like a teenager arguing with her parents. It, it, it's, the, the journalist can't help it, but she sounds like a college girl uh, arguing with, you know, Grown-ups. It's, yeah. It's, it's just what it sounds like. Yeah. I, I didn't think yesterday was Trump's greatest hour either, honestly. I think they need to tighten up those conferences okay, so and what, just... How about maybe this? Maybe take questions every other day. How about this? Your your, t- your take on this. Go go with go with number 30, because I want to hear what Joe thinks is going on here. The President of the United States has the authority to do what the President has the authority to do, which is very powerful. The President of the United States calls the shots. They can't do anything without the approval of the president of the United States. When somebody's the president of the United States, the authority is total. And that's the way it's got to be. 
So he kept saying that throughout the longest press conference so far, two and a half hours. The president gets to do whatever the president wants to do. And they would just uh, erupt oh, and scream over, what about the Constitution? No, you can't. They're just like, climbing over each other trying to get to. They're just going crazy. And he was so clearly just poking them with a stick. <laughs> well, my favorite one is the power of the federal government is absolute. But, but. I thought. <laughs> Well, yeah, I know, I know. But and so I what's just... going on there? On both sides, what's going on there? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I got to admit, as as a guy who rails against the power of the federal government all the time, I thought, oh, stop saying that stuff. I know, see, the thing is, he doesn't particularly care about the constitutional niceties uh, in, in terms of the way he's describing things. All right, he's not hip to the lingo. And I know he doesn't mean he wants to seize ultimate power. Um, and I know if he tried, he would fail utterly. That's the beauty of our system of government. So I'm not particularly bothered by it, but it just, it, it, he was so, it, he was in an argument with those just weasels sitting right in front of him. And I thought everybody ought to just stop. Just End this right now. Everybody go home. This is not doing the country any good on any level. Well, I was thinking about the way Tim Russert used to run Meet the Press, and he was the gold standard at the time for that sort of thing. It's kind of interesting that the gold standard for political journalism of the, of my lifetime, um, more people don't model themselves after them. They after him, they do the opposite. Tim Russert, if that had been a one on one. Trump would have said, the president has full authority to open the states. And Tim Russert would have said, you believe the president of the United States, despite what the Constitution says, has the authority to do this. And Trump would have said, yeah, absolutely. And then he would have just left it there and mm-hmm. let people and let people go crazy if they want to or whatever. But the, the whole badgering him, what's the point of that? It, it, well, it's the classic, uh, however the saying goes, you get down in the mud and you both get you know dirty right. situation. Right, yeah. Well, neither one of you come off looking like adults when you when you start screaming, but the Constitution, but what about that? He's poking you with a stick. You don't realize you're being jerked around right now. It's an interesting style of leadership. (laughs) Trump, I I have no idea why he says that sort of stuff, because he doesn't act out on it. Well, he said the opposite not too long ago that, listen, the the power is with the governors to shut down their states. I'm not going to issue an all-country shutdown because I can't, and it wouldn't be appropriate anyway. That's what made yesterday so odd to me. Well, that's but that's when the media was berating him to uh, to make a blanket statement of shutting down the country. Right, right, <laughs> right. I just I don't I don't know what I, I would love to know. We'll never know because it only goes on in his own mind. I'd like to know when he's standing there doing that what he thinks is going on. I I, I don't know if like in his mind he thinks oh man I'm I'm, I'm killing it here. Uh, everybody thinks they're a bunch of creepos, and I did. I came away from that press conference thinking they're all disgusting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I uh, I just found the whole thing very frustrating. Well, it was the longest discouraging. It was the longest uh most contentious one yet. I don't know if that ends up being the high water mark and they they pair him back from here or if it's just the beginning of I don't know. So is CNN going to cover it today? Is MSNBC CNN bailed out in the middle of it yesterday? Rachel Maddow has been arguing for weeks that they shouldn't air that on their channel. 
Yeah, which I get. I'm not sure I understand why it's happening every day. And I'm a big transparency guy. But shouldn't this time be spent actually dealing with the crisis as opposed to a post-mortem of, you know, two months ago, a month ago, uh, a week ago, yesterday? There will be time for that. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to, this hour, play you the clip, uh, if you haven't heard it, of Dr. Fauci when he got badgered by the press, and he said, no, 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 look, I'm not being told to say these things, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's really I tell something. you what, the doctor about went in out into the crowd. Oh, he had it. He, had he a, about threw rights and lefts at that chick. He had every right to be very mad at about right. the way they treated him. That and other stuff coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So apparently the Supreme Court announced that they will be hearing oral arguments for the upcoming term via teleconference due to the coronavirus concerns. So several months into this, as every other man, woman, and child on Earth has found a way to adjust, they're just now getting around to it. But better late than never, I guess. Well, and we're going to get to listen in, too. Oh, cool. I never even thought about that. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping they'll take questions via Twitter as are, well. Are they going to do Zoom so people can uh, Zoom bomb them in the middle of a <laughs> heated abortion discussions? Oh, Lord. I hope not. So uh, having watched a substantial chunk of the White House press circus yesterday, one of the more notable moments was uh, Dr. Uh, Fauci got up at the beginning of it And he said, uh, after the president said a couple of things, he said, listen, I wanted to clarify something. Um, And it's because he'd been asked on a CNN interview, I believe it was, uh, if lives could have been saved if the uh, economy had been clamped down sooner. And and he wanted to address that story and that narrative. So here's the good doctor. The first and only time that Dr. Burks and I went in and formally made a recommendation to the president to actually have a, quote, shutdown in the sense of not really shutdown, but to really have strong mitigation. We discussed it. Obviously, there would be concern by some that, in fact, that might have some negative consequences. Nonetheless, the president listened to the recommendation and went to the mitigation. The next second time that I went with Dr. Burks into the president and said, 15 days are not enough. We need to go 30 days. Obviously, there were people who had a problem with that because of the potential secondary effects. Nonetheless, at that time, the president went with the health recommendations. So uh, let me point out just quickly that the beginning of his answer, which we edited out, was to say, listen, they asked me a hypothetical and I'm an honest guy. So clearly the answer is, yes, if we had clamped down on the economy way earlier, it would have saved lives. But then he went on to explain in some detail that, listen, we had meeting after meeting weighing the pros and pros and cons. And when his medical team finally said to him, we think we need to engage in the mitigation, he immediately said yes. So he's saying this whole narrative in The New York Times and the uh, and CNN that uh, that uh, Trump's been ignoring us and and waited and dragged his feet. He says it's just not true. God dang it, that's so maddening. So that happens. And Britt Hume tweeted, "This is a setup for the next clip, the next question for Doctor Fauci, which followed that." 
So you're a mainstream media correspondent at the White House COVID-19 briefing, and the top government epidemiologist makes a statement that goes some distance toward blowing up a favored media theme about Donald Trump's response to the virus. So what do you do? Easy. You question the doctor's integrity and independence. You said there was pushback. Yeah. Where did that pushback come from? No, it wasn't. And that was the wrong choice of words. You know what it was when people discuss, not necessarily in front of the president, when people discuss, they say, well, you know, this is going to have maybe a harmful effect on this or on that. So it was a poor choice of words. There wasn't anybody saying, no, you shouldn't do that. Are you doing this voluntarily? or did No, the president I'm doing it. I, everything I do is voluntarily. Please don't even imply that. Can you imagine asking that question? The look on his face was 100% anger and contempt. He was ready to go crazy on that gal. Well, Who was should... that woman, by the way? She, the ABC girl? She sounds woman? like that NBC woman. If uh, I could be wrong, but yeah, that's let's the figure voice out who like... that was. Uh, yeah, uh, that I believe was it was some... CBS reporter Paula Reed. Oh, okay. Ah, right. But that is just right. so freaking out of bounds. First of all, the whole line of questioning from the beginning of that is out of bounds. Just quit spending all your time to see if you can create a rift between the doctor and the president. Don't make that your goal every single day. How about making your goal every single day informing people about the virus and the economy and all the stuff that's going on? But well, their the goal dis- every day is to damage Trump. They're actually deranged. Right. And what's so disgusting about it is if there was nothing but agreement among all the people who, to their credit, pushed and pulled and discussed various aspects of it, pros and cons. If they hadn't, they'd be accused of groupthink and, and, and be in a cult. It's just so dishonest. Wow, hey. <laughs> Kyle, you're talking to everyone, but yeah, we heard that. Yikes! So I don't. Yikes! I don't know Kyle Larson. I don't know my NASCAR, but what what just happened there? Kyle Larson of Elk Grove, California, I think, right? Is, uh, yeah, uh, I believe so. He is a uh, Japanese American uh, NASCAR driver, Jack, and while getting geared up to do an online racing game with other NASCAR guys to entertain the fans, which is kind oh. of a fun idea. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, different sports are doing ver- different versions of this. He says uh, he was seeing if anybody can hear him. You hear? You can't hear me. Hey, ends apparently. Um, and then another driver said, "Hey, Kyle, you're talking to everyone, bud. Uh, everyone heard that." And another person said, "No way, did that okay. just happen?" Okay, but so he dropped the n bomb in yes. like just talking to friends, like he's calling his friends that, right? In exactly. That, in that context, and although we all know it's the the death penalty for that word, right? Everybody's pretending that he used it as a racial epithet, even right. though anybody with any sense knows that that's a different uh, thing. Wait a and second, it might that's be insensitive not... and stupid and 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 not acceptable, but <laughs> not necessarily the way to do mic checks. That's the... <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, we've done a lot of mic checks. It's never occurred to me to do that. No, indeed. Although, C-bomb, C-bomb, F-bomb. <laughs> no, you, you see, you can say any of those. You can say any of those and apologize for it. You can't use the N-word, even if you're discussing it, to talk about the power of the N-word. You can't say it, which is crazy, but that's just the way it is. Right. Well, he was suspended from the racing that isn't happening, um, and uh, he, I think he apologized, right? Yeah, do you want that? Yeah, go ahead. 
Yeah, I just want to say I'm sorry. I made a mistake and said the word that should never, ever be said. And you know, there's no excuse for that. You know, I wasn't raised that way. You know, it's just an awful thing to say. And I feel very sorry for my family, my friends, my partners, the NASCAR community, and especially the African-American community. You know, I understand the damage is probably unrepairable, and I own up to that. But I just wanted to let you all know how sorry I am. And, you know, I hope everybody is, is staying safe during these crazy times. Oh, that's a, that's a nice thing to say, and that was a manful apology, probably a little overboard. You know, it's funny, a couple of different things come together. I just saw this tweet, in fact, I have it in front of me, uh, from Dean, who said, years ago, or for years I've been saying we should stop misusing the word community in reference to a population. There are He's talking about the LGBT folks. There are communities within the LGBT population, but that's it. I mean, the black community, as if all the black people get together on the phone. <laughs> And once, you know, on Sunday afternoons. So, number one. Number two, that word should never, ever, ever be said, except in all sorts of hit movies all the time and all sorts of rap songs and the rest of it frequently. So it's either Voldemort or it isn't. So, Kyle, that was a stupid thing to do. You're a young man. You'll get over it. And I think America's black people are fine. They've adored a hell of a lot worse. Well, you could argue, nobody's going to, and it won't work, but you could argue that usage the way he used it is is what would take all the power out of the word. I mean, just that incredibly casual. Well, yeah, the the uh, generations after the, uh, you know, courageous, unbelievable heroes of the civil rights movement, that was the idea. We're taking it back. We're, we're removing all of the power from it. It's like queer. Um, the, the gay people took that word back. Um, and and so we have the two things going on simultaneously, though, and a, and a poor uh, Japanese-American boy from South Sac. All he knows is going 210 miles per hour in a left-turny circle, Jack, and, and he stepped in it. And dropping in bombs, that's not the, that's not the, the look that uh, the, the southern sport of NASCAR would expect to have. <laughs> oh, easy now. Easy. Uh, anyway, so that was unfortunate, and he made a terrible mistake, but I think the world will endure. Speaking of the scourge of racism, which is certainly a scourge, and scourge enough uh, without fakery, the ominous Instagram message was sent to several students of color at the University of Laverne, east of Los Angeles. Every single one in this photo will get what is coming to them. The accompanying black and white photo is of a group of outspoken students who are well known on campus for organizing anti-racism protests. Then there's a list of names, a Mexican-American graduate student, vocal social justice campaigner. Uh, that wetback biatch, Anelie, and that inner jasmine need to shut their dirty effing mouths. We know where they live and what cars they drive, the threat continued. If one of them dirty biatches uh, get it after night classes, you know why. This ain't no effing colored America. News of the racist threats quickly spread through social media, stoking fear on the campus of nearly 9,000 students. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Then one of the women uh, named found her parked car emitting smoke. Someone had tried to start a fire with a backpack. University canceled all remaining classes. The police department and the FBI stepped in to investigate. Uh, on and on and on, etc. More speeches given, more letters sent out to the student body. 
All the cases remained unsolved until recently. After nearly a year of investigations involving multiple agencies, the university police said at a press conference that the activists themselves had faked the threats against herself and others in 10 total separate incidents the same day she was arrested on felony charges of making criminal threats and perjury, as well as seven misdemeanors related to electronic impersonation and filing false police reports. Not a shock. If a university activist gets some sort of threat or or nasty note or noose or uh, graffiti on their car, the chances are 9 out of 10 they did it themselves. 9 out of 10. As I, and, and everybody's onto it except them because they never read the sort of media where this story will be reported. I guarantee this story appears nowhere in the mainstream media. And so they don't understand that um, it's they are the equivalent of the kid next to the cookie jar with chocolate all over their face. Mommy knows exactly what happened. <laughs> Mom knows immediately what happened. But these these college kid activists don't. They're so whipped up in their activism. Unbelievable. One of the breaking news stories of the day is that Barack Obama is set to endorse Joe Biden. I don't know what that'll look like. I don't know if he'll put out a video or show him what with him on Zoom or whatever. What do you think of this argument that some people are making? I think this is really overthinking it, but people are saying, boy, Biden, you know, is already kind of uh, diminished. Being next to Barack Obama is going to make him look even more diminished. If I'm a politician, I want the brightest dang star that's around with me on stage. I don't care if it makes me look less bright. Right, right, yeah. I don't know if I buy uh, that. Got this note from Carrie who says, uh, previous presidents endorsed their Veep if they were running immediately after the second term. Uh, and he, he essentially saying Obama would have ticked off so many in the party if he'd uh, if he'd done it earlier. It wouldn't. Have no, but we're not talking about. No. Well, uh, yeah. But nobody's talking about earlier. I, I get that. I get why he stayed out two months ago, six months ago, a year ago. But why in the last week? Why did it take so long? Uh, maybe he was just waiting for Bernie to get out uh, because, uh, you know, uh, or to, even before that, why? I guess you didn't want to like completely make it impossible for the Bernie Bros to come over to Biden's side, right? And, you know, it's it's funny. It's a wobbler. And, and positive, Sean, you follow the liberal Twitter pretty yes. closely. Uh, the formal reason, the obvious reason that he took so long was to keep peace in the Democratic Party. And because, you know, the Bernie bros are so ready to pounce angrily because they got screwed by Hillary and the peeps last time around. And so everybody's being extra, extra careful about that. That is every single word of that is true. But at the same time, I think Barack Obama thinks Joe Biden is a senile old fool and incapable of being president. But better than uh, having Bernie as president. He thinks Joe Biden could win, whereas he thinks Bernie doesn't have a chance of winning. At least that's what all the reporting is. When, oh yeah, oh, I believe that to be true. When in political history has one politician said to another one, you don't have to do this, Joe, (laughs) about (laughs) running for president. Oh boy. I mean, that's pity. So I was just talking with executive producer Hanson, and he's done the same thing I have today, or in recent days. Made a whole pie in one sitting? (laughs) I uh, have and will do that again. No, it's letting down our guard. For for whatever reason, for like the last week, I've walked into the building with either gloves on or a, a wipe in my hand or something. Today, barehanded. I don't know if it's all the people out and about or or whatever that has made me think, oh, okay, 
And uh, that's not what I want to do. I want to keep wiping things off and not touching the community coffee maker with my bare hands, for instance. Um, uh, Hanson said he saw people with their kids at Target. I'm I'm not there yet. I'll go to a Target, but I'm not taking my little kids into a Target. Uh, I don't know when that time would be for that, but not a chance. But anyway, we got this text um, on me railing against the Michigan governor and what she had to say. Maybe we'll play that clip again later. Uh, Jack, it only takes one time to get the virus, one bad mishap. If you want to roll the dice, go ahead. Have a victim cough in your face and inhale deeply. I don't, I don't see why I need to do that. Yeah. But, um, put your pride aside and your libertarian values and just do what is right. Sometimes in your life you have to do what you have to do. I am not willing to let, for instance, the governor of Michigan decide what's right. That's the problem. Well, I don't right. know what what's her motivation right is. Not, uh, is not perfectly clear. I don't know what her motivations are. Why did she, when they, with almost all data would show that they're on the downside in Michigan, why would she decide to come out yesterday and say, I've heard there are stores where you can buy garden hoses and that's unacceptable and we need to close those down? What the hell? You get to make that decision as the governor? That's crazy. Well, and if somebody, especially if they're gloved up and masked up, I mean, they're in very, very little danger of infecting anybody else. Sure. They might get it themselves, and but, you know, that's their decision. Um, in the, yeah, in the same store where you can buy other things that are deemed, uh, you know, uh, extension cords are deemed essential, garden hoses are not for whatever reason. Mm. So you close off that aisle. That just seems like overreach to me. Well, uh, an update on the uh, race driver story. Carl Larson, Kyle Larson's team has fired him oh, as their driver. Unbelievable. For greeting his friends. Unbelievable. As, Can you hear me in my ends? Dudes, management out there, and part of this I'm saying for self-serving reasons, uh, the world will get over these minor one-day stories. You don't need to fire the people or end the show. Good God. You'd have been right. fine. Nobody would have ever even remembered this. Yeah. Well, wow. Lost his career over that. And, you know, but, he, first... but he wasn't with his friends, right? This was a, a, he, he was no, he knew he was being broadcast in some way. He was doing a, an event on behalf of his employer with fans as some sort of outreach thing. At the very least, it shows a lack of understanding in, in the situation you're in. Oh, uh, so you're saying you fire him for having poor judgment. Yeah. Not for being a racist. Yeah, right. Like we, if, like yeah, I, that I I understand somebody who's pouring a lot of money into this guy saying, I, "Can we keep doing this?" Right. Somebody who has yeah, because we've had that well, situation somebody before. Somebody do something that stupid. Yeah. To your point, I get, Sean. I yeah, get I get your it. point there. Yeah. You got somebody who's got the kind of judgment where you're going to say that in front of an open it, mic when we're talking to kids. It wasn't a cell phone recording outside of a bar at 2 a.m. where you had no yeah. uh, thought that this was going to go public in and, any way. And NASCAR, more than anything, is about all the endorsements, you know, all right. the different labels on you and everything like that. You got to have somebody that's politically savvy enough to not to not throw that around. That's yeah, that's point. true, because the NASCAR drivers, while they are incredibly skilled at driving uh, to their left at 200 miles per hour, are also, they're like Miss America. They exist as brand spokespeople. Um, Miss America just has to uh, have big hair and, and perky boobs. Uh, but yeah, these it's a guys scholarship are, pageant, Joe. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah, these guys are more like uh, well, they're they're commercial spokespeople. They're endorsers. They're like uh, Putty from Seinfeld. What's his name? Who's in the Enterprise commercials? That's what he does for a living. Now. Right. He sells products. So hey, yeah, hey. I get it. Uh, didn't get to the New York Times story today about how Putin has been spreading disinformation about viruses since back in his KGB days. That's kind of his thing. That's Specifically his wheelhouse. about viruses. Yes, about diseases. That's like his expertise. 
More on that coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Larry Williams, the most renowned technician of our time, points out that we've already rallied 50% from the lows. And when you look at the last nine bear markets going all the way back to 1962, we simply don't retest these lows after rallying more than 50% from the bottom. In fact, get this, going back to the 30s, Larry counts 20 bear market declines followed by 50% plus rallies. And in none of those cases did we revisit the lows after that 50% move. So Jim Cramer, using statistics to back up his argument that we've never gone back down. So, so we've, we've hit our low. We weren't like, you know, that's not, there are lower lows to come. Yeah. That's what he's arguing. But, oh, I was uh, totally off track listening to that. I assumed a bear market was where you go in China to buy sun-warmed, right. rancid bear meat. Do you want to, you want a wet bat? No, no, no. Sun-warmed? I want an old, rancid bear. Well, some guy got, buys like a quarter a bear. And then obviously the bear's not doing well at that point, Sean. So it's dead. It's laying out there till somebody buys the other three quarters at the bear market. I saw a video yesterday, one of those wet markets, a guy uh, buying a frog rips its head off with its teeth. Oh. It's alive. Oh. Well, remember Ying Ma told us when she was in here that those things are very entertaining. Those uh, wet markets. I believe that. I if believe you don't get too. Chairman Xi's uh, bad eaten coffin commie death. Uh, to Jim Cramer's economic prediction, uh, one, he's in the business of wanting to spin things positively. Uh, two, and he's a lot smarter than me about this, but th- th- there's a lot of things that are different now. I mean, all kinds of things are different. You, you go way back on a lot of these uh, things to make your point. Well, that leaves out the computer uh, investing, making millions of decisions a second. That didn't used to happen. So I don't know what the computers are right. up to. The, the stock market would crash and people wouldn't know until the next morning. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I was going to rest on the unprecedented nature of crushing both supply and demand, but you're right. Anything that was pre-computer trading is is kind of void for that reason. Uh, yeah, and then, yeah, yes, so the supply and demand, the, the government has never interrupted the the free market to this extent ever. How's that going to react as we open back up? I, I don't know. Mm. Um, to the disease, this is uh, from the New York Times today. I thought this was really interesting. Putin's long war against American science. A decade of health disinformation promoted by Pre- President Vladimir Putin has sown wide confusion, hurt major institutions, and encouraged the spread of deadly illnesses. That all sounds true to me. Uh, the Kremlin's audience for dis- disinformation is very large, so their ability to do this is good. They have this thing called uh, RT TV. It's YouTube videos. Ah, yes. Um, and there's been a number of Americans work for RT, right? Who's yeah, that? Yeah, we Dead... have a number of listeners who send uh, clips to us and say, you guys are totally missing it. Watch this. Russia's global television network, RT, has an average of 1 million views per day. It's the highest among news outlets anywhere in the world, according to a U.S. intelligence report. <laughs> so they really have good reach. Because if you don't watch it, you got to spend five minutes in the penalty box with Putin. Yeah, well, there's a lot of people around the world that that watch it and take it in as real information in a real news network and not just propaganda from uh, real propaganda from uh, Putin. Since the founding of the Russian network in 2005, its videos have received more than 4 billion views, U.S. analysts said. The KGB campaign, 
which cast the deadly virus that uh, this goes back to Putin way back in the day. He was part of the KGB KGB campaign that cast AIDS as a racial weapon developed by the American military to cle- kill black citizens. Did you ever hear that story? It was pretty oh, yeah. pretty big in black communities. No, the government did this to wipe out black people. Putin came up with that himself, they think, when he was wow. a KGB officer, because that was his wheelhouse back in the day. And it was incredibly successful. By 1987, fake news stories about that had run in 25 languages in 80 countries. And this was before, you know, the Internet could spread things around and bots and all that sort of thing. Um, so he, he goes way back in having this, um, uh, this knowledge of how to do this and how can it, it, can, it can affect things. You know, that's, that's something. The old master, he still has his touch. He, he'll even go down to the meetings and say, no, 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 you kids, here's how you do it. As, yeah, he might. As so Russia's, he's still in the game. As Russia's president and prime minister, Mr. Putin has embraced and expanded the playbook, linking any natural outbreak to American duplicity, attacking the American health system, and faith in it has become a hallmark of his rule. So a, a lot of the stuff you hear, or certainly come across on Twitter, it was either started by, or you're reading a bot at the time, uh, the Russians. Well, and in similar fashion, the Chinese have sailed an aircraft carrier into the South China Sea and are making all sorts of belligerent statements, including uh, mocking and belittling the U.S. for its response to the coronavirus. So that's great. Our good friends, the Chinese. So the Chinese are Chinese claiming... Asshole. The yep. Chinese are claiming the virus started in uh, the United States, and you got Putin doing his best to convince people that. I wonder how many people in the world will end up thinking that at the end of all this. It could easily be a majority, oh, geez, or, or, or at least not. a small, a large enough minority to matter. Absolutely, people are only as good as the information they get. Yeah. Armstrong and Getty.